This is the new Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 Chai FM, I'm Benji Shulman, this is the new Blue Review, and uh, if you've been a regular listener to this particular show, you will know that we cover elections very, very extensively from all sorts of angles, and uh, you might be aware that we have an election coming up probably sooner than people realize, and so we're going to be kicking off our election coverage this year with the head of the opposition, John Steerhazen, in the studio. John, welcome to the show. Great, Benji. Great to be with you. It's my first time in studio at Kai, and it's uh, great to be with you and the listeners today. Well, we really appreciate you uh, coming all the way from the Cape uh, just to come here for Kai FM. No, I'm joking. Uh, you up in Kharteng for the registration drive because you can't vote if you're not registered on the, the registration uh, roll. So maybe just start off by telling us what your registration drive looks like that you've come all the way up here for. Well, uh, it starts from the premise that there are around 14 million people who are registered to vote that didn't vote in the last election, mm-hmm. but there are also a significant number, around 13.85 million voters, who are not even registered at all. And the majority are young people between the ages of 18 to 35. And the reality is that we're not going to be able to change things if people don't vote. The power of that group of people, particularly the unregistered, is massive. One considers in the last election, the ANC ended up with about 5.2 million votes. So if every unregistered voter registers, even 10% or even half of that, it could really determine the outcome of the next election. So the power only belongs to people who are registered to vote. And you know, I think that South Africa is in such a terrible state at the moment with every one of the major indicators moving in the wrong direction. We've got to rescue the country, and it can't be the job of a few. It's got to be the job of the many. And so we need to encourage people to register to vote. Uh, it's, it's the most important duty you have in a country to make sure you're registered and be a part of building a new majority and creating solutions for the country that will rescue us from this particular situation we find ourselves in. Now, John, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I was saying to him, you know, I really thought that 2024 is going to be a really important election, uh, that there's all these possibilities in terms of the provinces and, and national. He was saying, oh, we hear that every single year, every single time there's an election, they tell us this is the watershed election, this one's going to make the difference. I don't care anymore, I'm not going to vote, because it just, it's, it's not going to make any difference. What's your viewpoint on, on on, on the way that voters are approaching that kind of a, a scenario? Well, I think it's a very dangerous attitude to have because without a doubt the next election is the hinge of history election for South Africa. We voted for our freedom in 1994. We've got to rescue the country now in 2024. Um, every vote counts. And you know th- this will be the first election since 1994 where the outcome is not a foregone conclusion. Uh, the ANC lost their electoral majority in the last local government elections. They ended up around 47%. Polls have them a variety of places from low 40s to high 30s, which means there's everything to play for. And it frustrates me when you get people say, oh, my vote doesn't count. Umgeni municipality in KwaZulu-Natal is the best example. The DA won that municipality with 43 votes. If 43 people had decided, I'm going to go to the beach, I'm going to go and play bowls, I'm going to play golf, I'm not interested in voting. This is Chris Pappas's. Chris Pappas's. Yeah, the, we wouldn't have ended up yeah. with Chris Pappas as the mayor there in Umgeni, and uh, you know, the, Umgeni would be living under an ANC administration. The same for many other towns and cities that have been liberated from ANC corruption and mismanagement. It, voting and change, 
does not happen by osmosis. It's an act of the will, and it requires people to take positive action to make sure they're registered to vote. But there's also a message for the registered as well. What many people don't know, because I presume it's not uh, something government really wants people to, to know too much about, is the fact that this will be the first national and provincial election where you have to vote where you're registered to vote. In the past, you could walk into the nearest polling station and vote. So people need to make sure that they can they check that where they are registered in the correct place. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to be able to vote. You can't just walk down to the one on the corner. If you've moved, uh, you're going to have to go back to the voting station where you're registered. So there's also a, a very important uh, message that people who need to check their registration so, status. So, so that they know mm-hmm. where it is that, they, mm-hmm. that they're actually voting. Correct. Now, John, I, I imagine it must be quite frustrating in the times being the leader of the DA. I saw some article in the Daily Maverick where it was like, well, it's time that the DA just – if they were just a, a center-left party that was doing this and this and that, then everything would be fine. And it's almost like everyone likes what the DA is doing, but they just wanted to do it like their way or something. So so never mind all those people. Tell us what it is that the DA is standing for at the moment and, and, and where it is that you mm. see the value in the party to say to people, well, give us your vote. Well, I'd say it's the only party trying to do the right thing and to do the hard thing. The easy politics is to find a group of people, whip them up into a fear and frenzy that they're under attack, their language, their culture, uh, their way of life is under attack, and then push them against each other. What the DA is trying to do is to bring together people from different backgrounds, different religions, different language groups, different communities, urban, rural, Muslim, Hindu, Christians, Jews, uh, black, white, Indian, colored, all into one party where we're trying to unite around values and principles. We also have uh, the most diverse party as well. Our top six is by far the most diverse of all of the parties represented in Parliament, on left and right of the DA, it's monochromatic. So South Africans can look at the DA and see something of themselves represented there. But here's the other point to make. In this election, you've got to vote for a party that's got a track record of getting things done. Every party is going to come with a long list of promises, a laundry list of promises. But voters need to be discerning and to make sure that they're voting for a party that doesn't Talk the talk, but walks the walk. And I think the record of delivery where the DA has been given the opportunity to govern stands as a unique selling proposition for the DA because the DA gets things done where we deliver. Talking to John Steenhazen today from the DA. If you want to give any questions, SMS us three four five one nine. That's the SMS line. Oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine is the Telegram line, and uh, you can ask him anything that you would like. You are listening to one hundred one point nine Chai FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM, chatting today to John Steenhazen, leader of the DA. Uh, John, I want to just talk about this idea about um, the, the, the ANC losing power. Mm. And it, it's this weird thing I find amongst people who are interested in politics or aware of politics where, on the one hand, that's something that they really want. On the other hand, that's something they're really scared of because they kind of feel like whatever – you know, the devil you know, right? And that something coming down the pike could be much worse. It could be the EFF. It could be goodness knows what. What is your viewpoint on on, on that part of, of voters' fears? My viewpoint is it is not healthy in a democracy to have a single party in power for a 30-year term. And that healthy democracies with economies that are moving, with societies that are progressing, are ones where there's a change in government on a regular basis. The next election in Great Britain is likely to usher in a Labour Prime Minister. The Tories have had 10 years now. 
uh, to move on. In America, it could very well switch between the Democrats and the Republicans. Where you have this democratic contestation, it's always a much healthier democracy. Mm-hmm. And so I believe it's time now for the ANC to go and spend some time on the opposition benches. Uh, it's also good for those parties because they force you then to rethink your policies, to bring in new personalities, and to come up with fresh ideas. The ANC has run out of road, which is why our country is on the, on the precipice of a major um, debt crisis, and we're on the brink of social unrest. We need to, to get a new government in place so that new ideas can be tested and tried out, and the voters have an opportunity to then contrast the difference between those types of government. I mean, in, in reality, though, uh, we haven't managed to see uh, many places where you have a majority of one opposition party taking power. It is these these coalitions, uh, and and I think it's fair to say that the, the record of the coalitions has been patchy. Well, I would say if you look at the coalitions through the lens of Johannesburg mm-hmm. only – and maybe even Chwane and Ekuleni, the Gauteng lens. Yes, you probably would be skewed by saying that. The reality is we're involved in just under 30 coalitions around the country, and they bring good, clean, accountable government. They work. They deliver services in places as diverse as Richards Bay to uh, Cedarburg to Saldana Bay, they, uh, a Gullis municipality. They work, and they work well, and they are, I say, delivering clean, accountable government to those communities. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The problem in places like Joburg and the Gauteng metros is the complete over-fragmentation of the vote. There's 11 parties in Joburg. Eight of them have less than 1%. And that's how you're ending up with a situation where the tail's wagging the dog and there's instability. So people need to make sure when they vote for parties, they vote for a strong anchor tenant that's going to be able to anchor any potential coalition, keep it stable and allow it to move forward. And the red elephant in the room? I mean, what happens if the ANC decides they want to stay in power and go with the EFF? Well, I think there's going to be some internal problems for them there. And I think that you, the relationship's not working well in Johannesburg and, and in Gauteng. And also there's a very strong school of thought within the ANC that that would be the end of the ANC. It essentially would be a reverse takeover of the ANC as the EFF make common cause with the RET faction within the ANC and push out the constitutionalist. So not everybody in the ANC believes that that's a good idea. Uh, and I believe as well that those who know what would happen and the sentiment that would be uh, sent out by the EFF to getting the keys into the union buildings, either through the front or back door, would be overnight disinvestment in the economy, as people would fear that the policies would, lift, uh, would lurch horribly leftwards. And we would see similar situations we've seen in Zimbabwe, Venezuela and Cuba. Now, this morning, Howard Feldman was on the show. He had a whole thing about, uh, we've got a new term in South Africa. I was so excited. We now have water shifting. We've got load shedding. It's, it's so nice. Uh, it's, it's sometimes hard to concentrate in South Africa with all the different sort of, what, what are they, multi-crisis. There's another polycrisis going on. Uh, what, in your view, are the key things that we as a country actually have to focus on? Yeah, well, they say you'll die of many things in South Africa, but boredom's not one of them. Um, and certainly what you're seeing and witnessing is these uh, collapse now as we reach a tipping point where it comes to infrastructure. I've just completed uh, a four-province tour of small towns around South Africa. And if you think things are bad in the cities, let me tell you, small-town South Africa is literally crumbling around the ears of its residents. Water crises, sewage crises, electricity crises. And it's all predicated on a lack of proper maintenance and infrastructure that's put in. Municipalities and governments that focus on the nice-to-haves, the stadiums, but not put investing in electricity, water, and sanitation infrastructure. Uh, and that's what happens. The infrastructure has now reached a tipping point. In many municipalities, you have 
electricity substations that were serv- servicing 600 homes. They're now servicing 6,000 homes, and the infrastructure cannot bear the development. Um, and until we reprioritize and start spending and getting the basics right, those things are going to continue to plague us. All right, so we've got a bunch of um, questions in from the listeners. John, I'm, I'm happy to say that you're a, a popular person when it comes to getting messages, so thank you. Uh, we have a, I'm going to take like three so you can just answer what you like uh, or how you like. Um, from uh, Braswazi, what is the difference between the DA and the PA? Uh, we've got uh, from Carol Kruger asking, does the PA have offices in rural areas? Because this seems to be an important place. Mm. Um, someone asking, is the DA a party that just favors white people? Uh, and then from Hillel, we have... Um, yeah, a, a sort of similar thing around do we need a black leader? Is, you know, what sort of element is in that? Uh, so those are the kind of questions that we're getting. In. Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the first one, the difference between the PA and the DA. Well, we're a broad party that brings South Africans together from all backgrounds. The PA is a colored nationalist party, but also a party that focuses on the narrow patronage that it can derive out of situations and plays parties against each other to be in the most advantageous position to rent seek. Um, do we need a, a black leader? Well, we had a black leader in 2019 and we got one of the worst results the party's ever had. So I think race is mattering less and more about the message around delivery and being able to show people delivery. People are so desperate for change in South Africa that they fundamentally are looking to people who are able to turn things around. Chris Pappas is a young white male, gay, in, gay male in <laughs> KwaZulu Natal. Yeah. And there he is delivering services for the first time to the people of Mpopameni and those rural areas in, uh, in his municipality. It doesn't matter that he's, he's all of those things. He cares about people and he's showing it. Uh, and you have this notion that you've got to be a certain color. Well, I'm very glad nobody told Barack Obama that he needed to be white because the majority of Americans are white. Or poor Rishi Sunak, where uh, Asian uh, Britons are 8% of the population, and he's the prime minister. And I think we need to stop moving past this obsession with race and start focusing on who can deliver the services, who's going to run a clean government. And I think that's going to be the fundamental thing. The urban-rural divide, well, the DA is the largest party now in urban areas. The rural areas are still very difficult because a large part of those communities, thanks to ANC policies, have are almost virtually entirely dependent on grant funding. And the ANC goes in there with the message, if you change governments, you'll lose your grant, as if it's ANC money. Well, it's not. It's government money. And in fact, the DA proposed an increase in the social grants in our latest uh, alternative budget that we tabled, cutting things like the billions we spend on VIP protection, the billions we spend on mansions and cars for government ministers. We can offer a much better uh, opportunity for rural voters. And the towns and rural areas where we've been given a chance to govern, other in coalition with the majority, are far better off than those that are under languishing under ANC government. We're talking today to John Steenhuizen. He is uh, the official opposition leader, uh, and he is part of the DA. And we're finding out what his proposal is to you as the voter in the upcoming elections. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is 101.9 High FM. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the New Blue Review, chatting today to John Steenhuizen from the DA. John, I imagine you don't get this question often uh, on a station outside of ours, but, but foreign policy has been quite a big and an increasingly large part of the DA's repertoire. You've taken a really specific stand uh, on the Russia-Ukraine issue. Uh, you've looked at Zimbabwe uh, a little bit. So tell us a little bit about uh, why foreign policy is becoming more important as far as the DA is concerned, and also, obviously, what your stand is on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Yeah. Sure. So I think 
think that uh, as one prepares to get into government, I think you start to get asked a bit more seriously about your position on various foreign policy-related matters. We're busy finalizing a foreign policy um, suite that's going to be released in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, it's being spearheaded by our head of policy, Matt Cuthbert, and our shadow minister of international relations, Emma Powell, which is going to really set out where we believe South Africa's place in the world should be. As it relates to the Middle East peace, conf- uh, peace process and peace uh, uh, conflict, um, we are very, very much in favor of the two-state solution. And we believe, like the government's official policy is, that you need to have a strong, independent Israel living safely alongside uh, a, a independent Palestine. And I also think it's time that we started to look at dehyphenating. And certainly if one looks at what has started to happen in relation to relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia and some of its Arab neighbors now, that dehyphenation process has started to happen where trade, diplomatic uh, opportunities are open, open up. And I think that we, we need to, when we talk about the two countries, to, to start dehyphenating them. There's no reason, like India, that you cannot have relations with both countries. And I find South Africa's stance and the victimization, particularly of Israel by our government, the vilification of Israel by our government, unfortunate. I think there's many, many opportunities we can learn. Look, Israel's not perfect, but neither is South Africa. And I think you'd struggle to find a, a perfect country in the world. We all have unique problems and unique conflicts that uh, that hold us back. But I don't think that by cutting off diplomatic relationship, threatening to close embassies, uh, expelling ambassadors the way to do it. I think we should be talking to each other. Um, I also think that South Africa has an overweening focus on the Middle East, to be fair. Um, we tend to turn a blind eye to instance what happened in Zimbabwe just a few weeks ago. No one in government's talking about the stolen election. Our president jets off to Mnangagwa's inauguration, completely ignoring the vilification there. So we tend to want to inject ourselves as South Africa into conflicts and, and areas where we have no influence, but to shy away from those where we actually are within the sphere of influence. And so I'm really hopeful that when the policy comes out, um, people are going to have a clearer understanding about where the DA stands in the global context, where we see South Africa's alliances moving in the future, and how we can move to normalize relations with countries who should be natural allies to us, who have been through many of the problems that, that we've been through. If one reads um, Benjamin Netanyahu's biography, um, the most interesting chapter is not his time as prime minister. It was his time as finance, finance minister. minister. When, he, when Israel was essentially in the same place South Africa is now, uh, and they had to unbundle state-owned entities, state-owned banks, uh, you know, really take a strong line on privatization and moving the economy forward. And, yes, there was some short-term pain and, and certainly a lot of protest. But within six to eight months, the green shoot started to, sh- to show. So, I mean, I think there's lots of lessons we can learn from, from that experience. And we should be learning from each other rather than uh, just hurling insults and stones at each other all the time. One last question. I don't know how much downtime a politician gets these days uh, because I imagine you're always on. But when you're not, what is it that you like to do to relax and, and get away from it all? I find the best de-stressor um, is clay pigeon shooting, and I try and do it on a weekend when I get an opportunity. And uh, it certainly is a great way to blow the blow the stress cobwebs out uh, over the weekend. And I very luckily got to spend some time doing that on Saturday afternoon. It doesn't happen often, but... I got to do it. Okay, so all the answers I was expecting, that was not it. <laughs> Dennis, does that help in Parliament? I'm not sure. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Just, uh, again, you hear 
for registration, if people want to get registered, want their kids to get registered, want you know the people who they don't know registered, what is the way that they go about? Well, doing they can that? go to the IC website, but we've also set up a great website that's very user friendly. You can register from the comfort of your own home. It's check.da.org.za. It'll tell you where you registered and whether you correctly registered or not. If not, it'll have an automatic link through to the IEC website. You upload your documents and you can do it all from your home. There'll be a registration weekend happening on the 18th of the weekend of the 18th of November where people can go to the local voting station and register there. But there really is no excuse. It's been made so easy. The other big thing is for those people who say they're not interested in politics, you may not be interested in politics, but the last Five years have shown you that politics is very interested in you, from your taps, your electricity, and your business. You better get interested. And, and overseas people, they can also check. We have a lot of overseas visitors. Yes, they uh, are able listeners. to. They're able to go to that website and check where they're registered to vote. We've just recently won some court victories around overseas voting, expanding the number of voting stations where people can vote, and making sure that people. Uh, don't lose their South African citizenship as well when they take out dual uh, uh, take out citizenship in other countries. No, oh, fantastic, John. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us for the first time in person on Chai FM, uh, and good luck with the upcoming elections. Thank you so much. Register, register, register. There you go. <laughs> Brings us to the end of the show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to the whole team who puts it together. Senna, who operates the station. Uh, Vusi's on the sound. Craig, who pushes the big red buttons. And to you, dear listener, who joins us every single week, do join us again next week on the new Blue Review.